right, hey everyone, welcome to episode 177 of the Jesus Famous Podcast. What a blessing. Uh, our podcast exists to see Jesus honored, glorified, loved, esteemed, appreciated, adored, revered, and followed Jesus Famous in your everyday life. And if you don't know me, I'm Nate Holdridge. I'll host today. I'm the pastor at Calvary Monterey on the California Central Coast. I like to preach about Jesus Famous on Sundays, but write and podcast about Jesus Famous during the week at nateholdridge.com. Our show consists of interviews, discussions, and stories that we think will help propel you further into an appreciation of Jesus. Basically, the thought is that if Jesus is important, honored, esteemed, glorified to you, it will impact everything about your life. Uh, So today, on today's episode, we're coming out right around uh, Father's Day. I'm going to do a special solo Father's Day episode called Super Dad. And uh, just talk about the role of fathers, um, mostly from some verses in the Proverbs. So I'm looking forward to sharing this uh, with you uh, today. Uh, Before I get into the actual episode, though, there is an announcement I'd like to make about the summer season for the Jesus Famous podcast. Uh, This is going to be our last podcast um, of the summer so that we can give ourselves a little summer break. Um, The benefits of this will be twofold. One is just some rest. Uh, Those of you who know me know that I've been going through some vocal cord issues, so it'll be nice to have one less thing to be on the microphone for for a little period of time. But then secondly, it will give us a chance to uh, regroup regain our vision for the podcast and charge into a new season strongly if that's how the Lord leads. So thanks for your support of the podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, just know that the next couple of months will be off air. So if you don't see it repopulating with new episodes, uh, it's not a you issue. That's us. We're not going to be releasing in uh, July or in August. All right. So uh, super Dad, I want to start with Proverbs 17, verse 6. It says, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. Uh, I read this verse because it's always fascinated me that God shares the title Father uh, with men here on earth. Uh, it's not that God looked on the earth for a title that he could borrow for himself and saw all the dads of the earth doing their dad stuff, telling their dad jokes, and thought to himself, I've got to be called a father. It's that God is the father of humanity, the creator of humanity, the inventor of humanity, and he shares his title with men on earth uh, who, um, if they have uh, children, are called to the role of being a father. Uh, Now, unfortunately, there's a father problem in the world today in various forms, Um, Many men will have children, but then do things to uh, either neglect their children or damage their children or lead their children astray, sometimes just through the simple neglect of their responsibilities. And unfortunately, so many of these 
sins against children are then perpetuated or continued on in the generations to come. And so a cycle repeats itself and uh, it's a cycle that can be broken in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. When God gets a hold of our lives, we get a father, perhaps a father that we never had, and we can become uh, good men who are leading uh, our children well. Uh, you might have every once in a while see a, a, a crime that's been recorded on some kind of security footage or some uh, somebody's cell phone carried out by someone who's wearing the jersey of a professional athlete. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, there are many fathers on earth committing crimes against their children. They're wearing the title of God the Father. Uh, so what we want is to emulate him. We want to get back to what the original is like. And uh, so children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children is their father. You know, kids, when they got a great dad, uh, it just means so much to who they are and what they're about. Okay, so what's the goal uh, for a Christian dad? Well, I love the concept from Phil and Diane Comer in their book, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. Great parenting book that deals with the various stages of raising kids. And the goal really, according to them and according to scripture, is we want to raise children who love Jesus. Now, kids are malleable. That means that uh, God has in uh, deposited into them a real teachable spirit. Uh, this is good. Uh, that impressionable nature is helpful to us as we're raising them because we're trying to imprint upon them godliness and uh, morals and uh, truth. Uh, so they have a, a malleableness to them. Uh, so, you know, when, of course, they're seven years old and they say, I love Jesus, we celebrate that. Uh, but we understand, of course, that as the years go by, they're going to have to truly decide in their adult years whether they're going to be disciples and followers of Christ. That's the goal, however. Uh, not just to get them, them to say when they're little, I love Jesus, we do want that, but to say it in their older years, late teenage years, in their 20s, to say, I'm devoted to Christ. I, I love the Lord. I love Jesus. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about six scriptures that I think give us a picture of what a great dad looks like. Uh, the first scripture comes from Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12. It says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. The Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Now, there's a lot in those two verses. Uh, there's a lot about discipline and correction that comes from a seat of love. And that's where I want to start. Number one, a good dad delights in his children. A discipline without delight is never going to be received well by children. Discipline without delight is authoritarianism. Uh, but when delight is there 
And the foundation of the relationship between father and child is that of love. And the child is confident and living in the love of their father. Then the father, he, it's not that he gains permission to discipline. That permission is given to him by divine right. God has asked a father to discipline his children. Uh, So it's not that he gains the right through love to discipline his children. It's that his discipline becomes effective because of that delight. It is so important to delight in your kids before discipline. Without delight, uh, children are, I think, more easily provoked. You might remember uh, the way Paul spoke of it. Uh, when he talked about parenting, and he didn't say a ton about parenting. I mean, I, I want to correct that. Paul said a ton, and there are applications in the things that Paul said for parenting, but but Paul didn't say a lot directly about parenting. Uh, but he did write Ephesians 6, verse 4, and Colossians 3, verse 21, where he told fathers, to make sure that they do not provoke their children to wrath, Ephesians 6, 4, or that they do not discourage their children, Colossians 3, verse 21. And I think this wrath or this provocation or this discouragement or disillusionment, it can often come when a child is not delighted in by their father. Uh, We, of course, in thinking about God as our father, Rejoice that he delights in us before he disciplines us. I mean, praise God for the chastening hand of the Lord. Praise God for the times where he deals with us. Praise God for that. However, praise God that before that discipline, he delights in us. He wants a relationship with us so badly that he sent his only begotten son so that we might be made right in his presence. And Wouldn't we say that it's that delight in us uh, from God, the Father, that opens us up to his leadership upon our lives? I I know that there are uh, or is a subset in the church who does not understand grace in any kind of way, the favor of God in any kind of way. Uh, but their natural inclination is towards law and rules and all of that. So they will behave uh, well out of, uh, not out of relationship and, and not out of love, but out of a, a, almost a, an, an unholy kind of fear, not a reverence, not an awe, not a magisterial fear, but a, an unholy paranoia of God. Uh, but for most of us, we don't respond well to that kind of uh, mentality. We've, we've got to know Uh, that God delights in us, and praise the Lord, he does. So fathers, I want to encourage you to delight in your children. Uh, One of the best ways to delight in your kids is with your time. Um, What I don't mean by this is that you need to give your children the center of the universe syndrome. You know, there there is a time, brothers, to uh, be able to communicate to your kids through your words or through your actions, that you're a serious person, that you have responsibilities, uh, that you have to go to work, that you need to get things done. You can't just 
play board games and go to every athletic contest and all of that. Uh, so I'm not saying that you have to give your kids the center of the universe syndrome, but I am saying that you've got to give them your time. Uh, you got to play with them, hang out with them, go on special little trips with them, uh, read books with them, tell them stories at the end of the day uh, when you put them to bed, pray for them, talk with them, uh, get them involved in the things that you're interested in and be involved in the things they're interested in. Give them your time. This is so much better than stuff or possessions or money. Give them your time. Uh, so I love this. Delight in your children. Okay, the second passage that I want to point out uh, to talk about what a great dad looks like, a super dad, uh, actually comes from the Gospel of Mark. And it's the story when Jesus uh, came back down from the mountain of transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. You might remember the scene that he encountered. Uh, he returned with those three disciples to find the other nine disciples in a heated debate with the religious leaders. Uh, there had been a man who had a son who was demonically possessed or oppressed, and he'd brought the boy to the disciples uh, so that they could cast out the demon. Now, they had done a measure of this when Jesus had sent them out two by two previously, but for whatever reason, they couldn't cast out uh, this particular demon. Uh, later in the episode, when they asked Jesus why, he said, uh, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. It seems that there was a measure of spiritual intensity or investment that was required for them to be effective that they just didn't have yet at that period of their lives. And Jesus, after all, had come down from the mountaintop where he had spent time in prayer with his father. He came down in authority. Uh, but none of those things are what I want to focus on here. What I want to focus on is the father of this child. Uh, he rushed to Jesus and he said, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And then later when Jesus asked how long this had been happening, he said from childhood and it is often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus told him that all things were possible for one who believed. And then the father cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Uh, what I'm trying to draw out is that, you know, this dad, he brought his kid to Jesus and he just said what he needed to say to Jesus. The, the second big thing I wanted to just talk about is not only does a super dad delight in his children, but he prays for his children. He brings his kids to the throne of God and intercedes for them. And I want to encourage you, if you're a father today, uh, I want to encourage you to regularly pray for your children. 
you know, what I've found when I'm praying for my kids is that um, there are so often the temporal right now things that I want to lift up to God for them. You know, maybe a, a friendship that they're struggling with, a, a class that they're having difficulty in, a, a loneliness that they're facing, some kind of trial that they're going through right in this moment. Uh, but when I linger in prayer for my children, I find that I rise above some of the immediate concerns going on in their lives. And I begin praying for their future. I begin praying for their spirit. I begin praying for the things that are out there in front of them in life. Uh, I know that Christina, my wife, prays for uh, the future of our kids in so many different ways. But I think, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but it seems that uh, her natural inclination is to be seeing so well the condition that they're in today. And my role is to be thinking about what they could become tomorrow. So I'm often praying for if they're to be married someday, their future spouse. I'm praying for them to have a revelation of Christ, a spiritual epiphany so that Jesus would be famous to them. But pray for your children. And as you're praying for your children, uh, make sure that you're not only or exclusively praying in the realm that so many modern parents would think are important. So many modern parents are concerned with uh, education, making money, being successful, in life. Lift up your children's spiritual health, their love for God. Pray for their physical health. Absolutely. There are plenty of people in scripture who prayed for the physical health of their children and God heard their request, heard their prayer. But lift up the heart of your children as well. Remember the prayer of David for his son Solomon. He said, God, give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments and your testimonies and your statutes to do all these things. First Chronicles 29, 19. What a great prayer to be praying that your children would have a loyal heart unto God. Uh, one of the great benefits of this as a dad is that when you're praying this way, I mean, just imagine praying this way for a three-year-old, you know, you're praying that their heart would be loyal to God, that they'd have a gospel vision, that they'd be a Jesus person. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, there's a version of that at age three. There's a version of that at age seven, a version of that at age 11. Uh, but again, these are the more malleable years of their lives. What we're praying for is a full grown version of that when they enter into adulthood. And when you're praying that way for that day to ultimately come, it really helps you in your current present day parenting to know I've got a goal. I, the, the thing that I'm praying for is what I'm actually working for as well. So I'd encourage you to be a man of prayer, lifting up your children uh, to the Lord. Pray for their future spouse, pray for their purity, pray for their health, pray for their friendships, pray for them in spiritual warfare, pray for them in decisions that they need to make. And sometimes let them hear 
your prayers as you're crying out to God on their behalf, putting them down to sleep at night, lift them up to the Lord and let them hear what their father is praying for in their lives. Okay, number three, a great dad teaches his children. A great dad teaches his children. Uh, We could lift this from so many places in scripture, but I'm going to take it from Proverbs chapter one, verse eight through 10. Uh, There we have a father who is teaching his son. He says, hear my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Uh, So he he goes on and, uh, you know, all of Proverbs really is a father teaching his child. Uh, And I love that because what you have are uh, doctrinal teachings in Proverbs, but also practical teachings in Proverbs, the working out of the doctrines of scripture in practical form. So I'd encourage you to teach your children. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says that we're to, as fathers, raise our kids up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, God, as our father, he works to teach us, doesn't he? You know, his teaching is patient. It's over time. Uh, He uses the events of our lives to instruct us. Uh, And our teaching can be the same way, to come alongside of our children, to use the events of their lives, the situations that they're going through, to teach and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Uh, This can be a lesson that is being taught, uh, sort of a reduced down classroom kind of environment. You know, as my kids were growing up and little, I loved to take a picture Bible and teach them the stories of scripture. I I loved those moments and still love those moments today, although the Bible no longer has pictures in it in our lessons. Uh, But what I'm trying to say is that's not the only time to teach your kids. Uh, Throughout the day, we can be sharing with our children the truth of God and his word. You know, for the people of Israel back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to 9, God told them, the words I command you shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You should bind them on the si- as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, all throughout the day, whether they were uh, sitting there in the house or traveling together or going to bed at the end of the day or waking up in the morning, there were opportunities to retransmit what God had transmitted to the parents, to the children, to hand it down to the next generation. And, you know, we can do the same. We're not in an ancient Israelite culture. So uh, when we sit in our house, well, what are we doing? We're probably eating meals around the family table. We're sitting in the living room. Uh, Maybe we're hanging out in the backyard, having a bonfire. Uh, Maybe we're sitting in front of the television and watching a movie, but 
in those events or after those events, how can we talk about and incorporate the Lord into those moments? Uh, we're not walking usually from place to place. We're maybe hopping in the SUV. But when we do, what an opportunity to be talking about the Lord or singing to the Lord. Uh, when you lie down, man, what a precious moment. That's a time where as your kids are going to bed, they're ready for a one-on-one -on -one word potentially to hear your voice, to hear uh, your teaching. And then to start the day, when you rise up, you see, all throughout the day, we have opportunities, if we take them, to teach our children. And uh, dads, you can be involved in teaching your kids. Uh, your wife, if you're married, is going to be uh, used by God immensely in this area of life. Uh, but you are called to teach as well, to train up, to speak into the lives of your kids. Don't leave it all to mom. Uh, make sure that you are communicating the truth as well. Now, this is great because it keeps us pressing in ourselves. Uh, but all throughout the day, be someone who is teaching, sharing the word with your kids. Yeah, I can always remember sitting at our family computer many years ago. I was working on the family budget, you know, had some spreadsheets in front of me and some bank websites and uh, one of my kids asked me, you know, what, what are you doing right now? And so I was able to just, you know, not give a full on, well, let me give you a 30 minute Bible study, but I was able to share about the Proverbs and how the ant stores up little by little and how finances work and what I was doing and trying to be a steward of what God had given to us as a family. Uh, those are, that's just one example of uh, teachable moments that God will provide to you. Uh, be sure not to expect anyone else to take care of this responsibility for you. This is not something that should be farmed out to the church. Uh, this is not something that can be farmed out to the school. Uh, this is not something that the professionals are called to take care of, though they might help you and aid you and come alongside of you. Uh, it's inside the home that you can be a teacher of your children. You, you've got to be in the word yourself and transmit it to your kids. Okay, the fourth thing I wanna talk about is a great dad, a super dad, he protects his children. He protects his children. Proverbs 14, verse 26 says, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. You know, God, as father, he is a refuge to us, isn't he? Um, actually, in the process of preparing a sermon on Psalm 11, where uh, there was some kind of pressure being brought upon David. We don't know precisely what it was, but we can use our imaginations, just knowing everything that he endured at the hands of Saul. And somebody said to him, uh, you need to take matters into your own hands. You need to run away. You need to go find refuge. And his answer was, God is my refuge. I'm going to God. He, he found solace and comfort and protection in God as his father. That's who God is. Uh, now, as under fathers, so to speak, under the father, 
we want to do the same thing. We want to provide refuge, protection, safety for our kids. Now, obviously, one place this safety starts is safety from you. This is what I was alluding to earlier. So often, kids experience trauma or wrath or anger or neglect from their own fathers. How damaging. Uh, But we need to be men who say, uh, you're going to find in me a place of safety, a place of refuge, a place of solace, a place of protection, a place of comfort. You know, if you think about it, the world is really not a very safe place for kids. Uh, There's neglect and abuse and molestation and fornication and and rape. Uh, There are all these dangers that exist for them. And aside from the more violent or sexual or abusive uh, elements that our kids are at risk of encountering, Uh, We also live in an age where, you know, there are companies that are just vying for their eyeballs and their attention constantly. It's just not a safe place for kids. But kids are safe with a dad who fears God. Kids are safe with a dad who fears God. Uh, And I, I would encourage you, be involved in protecting your children. Now, I love the story of Philip in the New Testament. He was one of the first deacons in the church. And he had all these daughters who were gifted by the Spirit. They, were, uh, they had the gift of prophecy. Uh, and they were morally pure as young women. And I think that that moral purity had something to do with Philip and his walk with God and his involvement in uh, their lives. Uh, in other words, it's not right for a father to take the approach of saying, you know, it's, it's not any of my business. Uh, and, and I, you know, they, all, they have their own lives to live and their own desires and their own thoughts and it's, it's none of my business. I'm just going to pull back and let them do whatever they're going to do. No, dad, be involved in the lives of your kids. Um, one thing that I've noticed time and time again with um, parenting and different families that I've uh, been exposed to over the years is that in those first 10 years of a child's life, a dad is really important, absolutely. Uh, But a lot of times it's mom who is um, providing and teaching and, and offering sort of that daily nurturing that early childhood requires. But there's something that happens when a child gets into those preteen and then teenage years where a dad can tell himself, you know, I was good at tickling. I was good at pillow fights. I was good at building forts and planning family vacations and building a fire. I was good at all the things that made my kids think I was a genius. (laughs) But now they're teenagers. Now they don't see me in the same way. Now I need to take a back seat. No, what I want to say to you, brothers, is that that is a lie from the pit of hell. 
you're actually called to get into the front seat, get behind the wheel during that period of your children's lives. Uh, Interject yourself, involve yourself in their lives, get to know who their friends are, what they're seeing online, where they're at at all times. You know, be involved. I'm not saying you need to be a super nanny. I'm not saying you need to, you know, have a surveillance system. I'm not saying you need to be that legalistic, harsh law over your kids, but being involved. Don't distance yourself. Involve yourself. Uh, be engaged in there if they start dating. Be, be involved and knowing what's happening at sleepovers if you allow that. Uh, be involved in knowing what's on their computers and on their phones. Um, do what you can to eradicate pornography or the possibility of pornography being a temptation from your family's life. Uh, be engaged in what their social networking looks like. Be engaged in their sex education. And know when they're unsupervised at the homes of others that you don't know. Be involved in their lives. You can't keep them from all forms of evil, but you can provide that protective layer in their lives. And I would encourage you to do so. I've seen a lot of dads who have just kind of given up, who have just said, well, my kid has a laptop, full internet connection, has a TV up in their room. They close the door. I don't know what's going on in there. Hey man, is it your house? Is it your child? You know, they're not in an age where they can make that kind of decision with wisdom. And so you need to set up safeties and guards to give them the best possible chance for success, no matter how much lip they give you. Okay, the next one that I wanted to say is that a father, not only does he protect his children, teach his children, pray for his children, and delight in his children, but he disciplines his children. He disciplines his children. Let me read a couple of Proverbs to you that highlight this theme. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 19, verse 18. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. That's a great one for parents. You might get a little discouraged, uh, but have hope in the midst of that discipline. And finally, Proverbs 29 verse 17 says, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give you delight. He will give delight to your heart. Now, of course, when it comes to discipline, this is something that God does for us. Uh, we're thankful of that. Hebrews chapter 12 explains that the disciplinary hand of God is actually an evidence of the love of God for our lives. Uh, if we were not his children, when, then he would not discipline us. If we did not belong to him, he would not pay attention to us in that way. But because we're his, because he loves us, he will chasten us for our good. Uh, it's not judgment from God. Judgment was taken by Jesus in the cross of Christ, but it's God's disciplinary hand. He knows what's good for us and he will chasten us as needed. Now, the best discipline 
comes from a dad who is submitted to God's discipline. Uh, In other words, if you are submissive to God and God's authority in your life, uh, then you have the basic ingredients to give good discipline to your own children. Don't be a self-willed man, in other words, who can never find a church leader to follow, can never find a church that's good enough, uh, can never find a group to be part of, uh, who doesn't spend time with the Lord in the word or prayer, uh, who is recklessly disobedient consistently in a portion of his life before God, who then tries to bring discipline into the lives of your kids. It's not through your obedience that you will gain the privilege or right to discipline. It's just that your discipline is going to go so much better if you are humbly coming under the hand of your God uh, before your kids are coming under your disciplinary hand. Now, as you're disciplining, just a couple of words of wisdom, be consistent. You know, so often as parents, uh, discipline is just one of the most tiring, fatiguing things to do. You know, so we come up with all these mechanisms, you know, I'm going to count to three uh, or, you know, if you don't come over here and we resort to threats and we stack the threats on top of each other because we don't want to follow through with the thing that we said we would do. Be consistent, man. Do what you say you are going to do. It's going to cost you a little bit. It will be inconvenient, but be consistent. Um, And as you're disciplining, keep that perspective. It's not that you're punishing. It's that you're disciplining. You know, that last proverb we read, Proverbs 29, verse 17, talked about what discipline will do for the parent long term. It will be bring a blessing to the heart. Why? Because a day comes in the life of a person who's been trained where the training wheels come off. And if you can take the perspective as a parent of saying, you know, the things that I'm doing when, when my child, you know, lashes out at another child and I have to discipline them, um, what I'm doing is I'm preparing them for the future where they're going to be incredible in the workplace because they're going to know how to deal with interpersonal conflict better than most people will because I've offered them training on that subject all throughout their childhood. If you can have that perspective, discipline, versus having the perspective of, I'm going to punish you for what you've done, if you can maintain the discipline perspective, it will just help you in every um, opportunity that your children present to you. And they will present you many opportunities to train them in how to be as a person. So discipline your children. You know, and as you're disciplining them, one other word of caution is please do not encourage them in sin. I've seen this a lot in modern times where parents, uh, I get a little, I don't like the phrase, my child is my best friend. 
You know, my teenager is my best friend. Sometimes you'll hear it maybe like a, a grown mother talking about her 16-year-old daughter. We're best friends. That's not the goal. Don't be best friends with your child. You can be friends later when they're full-on adults, but while they're still under your care, uh, you've got to speak into their lives. You're leading them. And a lot of times I've seen parents that will actually encourage sinful behavior because they want to be friends with their child. They want to be accepted by their child. Listen, be secure in yourself, fathers. Be confident in who you are in Christ. Know that your standing before God does not rise and fall with your children's opinion of you in that moment. Believe that you are doing the best thing for your kids and move forward. Don't cave or buckle because you're trying to win a popularity contest with a little person. Uh, don't encourage sin. You know, don't be guilted out of loving discipline. There is a way to discipline your child consistently, gently, with love that will lead to their flourishing in the future. Okay, the final uh, and sixth thing that I think a great dad does uh, according to scripture, and I'm sure there's many more, but I'll just say it like this. He provides for his children. He provides for his children. In 1 Timothy 5 verse 8, it says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives or his family, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now there is a context that surrounds that verse. So I don't mean to overemphasize this, uh, but there seems to be some precedent here that it's important for a dad to provide for his family, to provide for his children. And when Paul was closing out his letter to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, I'm ready to come visit you and I will not be a burden for I seek not what is yours, but you and listen to this, he said, for children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. In other words, in the apostolic mind, uh, the direction was clear. The parent providing for the child, not the child providing for the parent. And uh, I would encourage you brothers, you know, to provide for your kids. And uh, this is kind of one of those things that it, it feels a little... You know, people don't like to talk about this to, in our modern day and age. Our modern economy works on a, if, a, if there's a family, works on a two income, you know, kind of thing and all of that. Uh, and so this often gets downplayed and, and uh, you know, I, I think it's great for a man and a woman to both earn an income and all of that. But in the midst of all of that, we might downplay the need for a man to provide for his family. And so I'd encourage you to avoid laziness, to work hard, to be sacrificial. There's going to be uh, toys that you don't get to have because your kids get to have the toys. There's going to be fashion you don't get to have because your kids need new clothes. There's going to be trips you don't get to go on because your kids have classes and activities they need to do. And so be a sacrificial man. Avoid laziness. It's hard to make it make ends meet in this world but be sacrificial and get the job done. And for those of you who are, I just want to say, well done. I mean, this is a big part of being a dad uh, that we sometimes don't emphasize at all, but 
Praise God. God, our Father, provides for us. We come to him. Jesus said we can pray every single day. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Our Father is a provider for us. And how cool for us as dads to provide for our kids. Uh, We might not be able to provide them the most lavish lifestyle or the greatest schools or the best fashions or the coolest gadgets, but are we taking care of their needs? Uh, Let's do it, brothers. And if you are, well done. God sees that. And I know it can feel like a grind, but provide for your children. So again, Proverbs 17, verse 6, which we started with, the glory of children is their fathers. Let's uh, do what we can to uh, live life backward and think about the kind of grandfather we want to be in the years to come. Even before we have a, a wife, if you're unmarried, even before that happens in your life, be thinking about what kind of man do I want to be when I die? And what work or steps do I need to take to get to that point? Uh, As for me, I want to have had a fruitful life. I want to be in a great relationship with all of my kids and potentially grandkids. And I want them to be thankful to God that he allowed them to have me as their dad. So Uh, For those of you listening around Father's Day, happy Father's Day. For those of you who aren't, happy belated Father's Day or early Father's Day. But let's go get it, dads, and let's be everything that God has asked us and called us to be. Uh, For those of you who listen this far, again, we're on a little summer break. Have a great summer, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see you back in the fall. 